0: Hello my lovelies and welcome to another episode of Primed for Crime. I am your host Liv and I'm very excited to have you here and hope you enjoy today's case. Now today's case takes place on October 9th 1949 in a remote area of Griffith Park where the tattered purse of Jean Spangler was found and it was all that was left of the Hollywood actress and model who had vanished after leaving her home in Los Angeles just two days previously. Among the items in her purse was a handwritten note, addressed to some person called Kirk, and it made mention of a doctor. It soon became apparent that the young woman had been leading a life of secrets that nobody knew anything about. Before we get into the case though, I just want to state that everything I talk about today is just information I have found online, and I mean no disrespect to anybody involved or mentioned. And today's episode does include mention of sexual assault and abortions, so if this is something that you're not comfortable listening to, then please feel free to click out of this podcast. So, let's begin. This is The Disappearance of Jean Elizabeth Spangler. Jean Elizabeth Spangler was born in Seattle, Washington, on September 2nd, 1923. Eventually, her family moved to California, where she attended Franklin High School in Los Angeles. And as a teen, Jean loved to dance, and she actually danced with the Earl Carroll Theatre and Florentine Gardens. Now, when she graduated in 1941, she met Dexter Benner, who was a manufacturer... And they had a whirlwind romance and they actually got married the following year. However, the marriage wasn't a very happy one. It eventually led to Jean filing for divorce, citing cruelty, but the couple continued their on and off again relationship. And eventually, Jean gave birth to a daughter called Christine, who was born on April 22nd, 1944. Jean soon found herself wrapped up in a long and bitter custody battle with her former husband over their daughter, with Banner initially uh, granted custody of Christine in 1946. He also apparently denied Jean the right to visit her daughter, however by 1948 the dispute was eventually decided in her favour. So with her background as a dancer and a model, Jean was attempting to break into acting and by 1949 she appeared to have succeeded in her determination to make it in Hollywood when she was cast in um, bit parts in several films. She also appeared as a dancer in several uncredited roles, including Walter Lang's 1948 film, When My Baby Smiles At Me, and the 1949 comedy, Chicken Every Sunday. Her last role would be in the musical drama, Young Man With A Horn, that was released after her death in 1950. At the time she went missing, 27-year-old Jean lived with her mother Florence, five-year-old daughter Christine, brother Edward and sister-in-law Sophie on Colgate Avenue in the parc le residential complex near Wilshire Boulevard. Now at around 5pm on Friday October 7th 1949, Jean left her home in Los Angeles for what would be the last time. As her mother, Florence, was out of town visiting family in Louisville, Kentucky, she left her daughter with Sophie, who would later tell the police that Jean told her that she was going to meet with Benner to discuss a late child support payment. Jean said that after meeting with her ex-husband, she was going to work on a night shoot for a film, about which she gave no further detail, but Sophie later told reporters, quote, She came downstairs and asked how she looked. She smiled at me and then at her little girl Christine. Asked where she was going and she said going to work. Jean answered again but she winked at me when she said it. End quote. So it wasn't unusual for her to go to work late in the afternoon as kind of an extra part involved in night shoots. It wasn't too unusual But some hours later, I think about maybe two, Jean called home and spoke with Sophie uh, to ask about her daughter and to tell her sister-in-law that she would have to work the full eight hours and that she probably wouldn't be home that evening. But following um, in the morning, October 8th, Jean had still not returned home and Sophie was getting worried so she went to the police and filed a missing persons report. When the police questioned Benner about her statement to Sophie that she was going to meet him about this child support payment, he claimed that he hadn't seen his former wife for several weeks, in fact. His new wife, Lynn Lasky-Benner, who he had only been married to for about a month, also corroborated this story. A saleswoman at the farmer's market only a few blocks from Jean's home recalled seeing her browsing at about 6pm and noted that she looked like she was waiting for somebody. Though Jean told her sister in law that she was going to work on a film set after she met with Benner, please checked with Screens Extras Guild who confirmed to investigators that Jean had no call for work that night as well as the TV studios who stated they had no record of her employment that night. Just two days later, on October 9th, 1949, Jean's purse was found by Griffith Park employee Henry Angu near the Ferndale entrance of the park in Los Angeles. And this was situated maybe five miles from her family home. So hoping to find further evidence at the park, a group of 60 police officers and over 100 volunteers searched about 4,000 acres of natural terrain park but no other clues were found that night uh, to indicate that anything happened to Jean. They literally just had this purse. It was the only piece of evidence found by the police, and kind of there was just no trace of where Jean went, what happened to her, just this purse. But alarmingly, both of the straps on one side of the purse were torn loose as if it had been ripped off her arm. And there was no money in the purse but Sophie told the detectives that she didn't really carry money when she left the house and she definitely didn't that evening of her disappearance so the police ruled out robbery as a motive. Over the course of the following week Griffith Park was searched by over 200 volunteers and law enforcement and during the search one volunteer's dog dug up a denim Los Angeles County jail uniform in a shallow hole but no other belongings of Jean were found. Because murders of women or wives are most often than not committed by, you know, a person close to the victim, you know, like husband, partner, lover, spouse, ex-spouse, you know, many suspected for a time that Dexter Benner murdered his ex-wife in a case of, you know, kind of husband did it. And in the case of Jean Spangler, the last person who had the most to gain from her death was her ex-husband, Benner, who once had sole custody of their daughter. And according to those close to the family, he wanted his daughter back. He he wanted that to return. At the time Jean went missing, the police apparently questioned Benner, who said he hadn't seen Jean for several weeks. So a little bit of backstory, I kind of already briefly gone over it but on October 27th 1949 Benner had been awarded temporary custody of his daughter in a court battle with Jean's mother Florence to whom he denied visitation with Christine because he said she was upsetting his daughter by referring to her missing daughter and also defied a court order that he permit Jean's mother to visit the child when he was offered to sir ordered sorry when he was ordered to serve 15 days in jail for being contempt of court uh, he then fled to los angeles with his daughter and later settled in florida so once bennett was cleared as a person of interest investigators moved on to other suspects but with little evidence surrounding her death there were very few clues as to who might have caused this who what happened nobody knew but there was just so little evidence, they had literally nothing to really go off apart from that purse. However, there might be evidence inside the purse. So among the items found inside Jean's purse was a handwritten note addressed to somebody by the name of Kirk. It read, quote, Kirk, can't wait any longer, going to see Dr. Scott, it will work best this way whilst mother is away, End quote. But the funny thing about this note is that it ended with a comma, kind of making it seem as if it wasn't finished. But the investigators began the hunt for this mysterious Kirk and Dr. Scott mentioned in the note, but none of these people could be located and none of Jean's family or her friends knew anybody by those names. So attempts were made to locate the Dr. Scott referenced in the note. But Jean's sister-in-law didn't recognise the name. However, at a press conference, Detective Lieutenant Harry Didion did confirm the existence of a physician named Scott, explaining that he was, quote, known to Miss Spangler and her coterie of nightclubbing friends, end quote. However, the police questioned every doctor with the last name Scott in Los Angeles, but none of them had a patient with the last name Spangler or Benner. So this Scott that was identified in her life by Lieutenant Harry Didion was an abusive man that she called Scotty who had been an army air corps lieutenant with who she had been involved with once but it was unknown if it was his surname or if it was just a nickname. Now Jean had allegedly had an affair with the man whilst her husband was overseas and told a friend that Scotty had threatened her when she left him. But according to her lawyer, she had not seen him since 1945. But what about this Kirk that was mentioned? And, well, police were equally baffled. They really weren't sure who he was. So when Jean's mother, Florence, returned to LA, she told the police that someone named Kirk had picked up Jean at her house twice, but stayed in his car and didn't come to the door. The only other Kirk was possibly the best known movie star in the country at the time. So with Hollywood film sets, parties and nightclubs, there was a wide variety of individuals who were all brought together and in and out of Jean's life. So investigators believed that if they looked more closely at her working relationships and you know, interactions, it might give some insight into potential motives as well as opportunities for committing murder. So at the time she disappeared, Jean had recently completed filming a bit part in the film Young Men with a Horn, starring Kirk Douglas, and this soon led to public speculation that he was Kirk mentioned in the note found in her purse, and upon reading about the discovery of this note, Douglas spoke with the police over the phone whilst he was vacationing in Palm Springs, and he denied that he even knew Jean. On October twelfth, nineteen forty-nine, Douglas actually gave a formal press statement in which he said, quote, I told det- Detective Chief Thad Brown that I didn't remember the girl or the name until a friend recalled it was she it was she who worked as an extra in a scene with me in my picture young man with a horn. End quote. So Douglas was quoted in the October thirteen issue of San. Bernardino son and he said there quote then I recalled that she was a tall girl in a green dress I talked and kidded with her a bit on the set but I never saw her before or after that and have never been out with her End quote. So throughout his career rumours persisted that Kirk Douglas had actually raped an aspiring actress called Natalie Wood who was 16 years old at the time during an audition at the Chateau Marmont Marmont? during the summer of 1955. The alleged attack apparently went on for hours and was described as brutal and violent, so he already doesn't really have a very good background or past. So I'm not surprised people were looking at him saying, you did it, because, I mean assaulting a sixteen, assaulting anybody obviously isn't going to give you a good name absolutely horrendous you know somebody in that much power kind of taking advantage of somebody like that so it's definitely a possibility so Jean had also told her friend actor Robert Cummings that she was having a casual affair at the time but didn't reveal the identity of the man so when Cummings asked her if it was serious she responded no but you know I'm having the time of my life. So she was obviously pretty happy at this point point. and Jean's friends with who she regularly attended nightclubs told the police that she was three months pregnant when she disappeared and that she had talked about having an abortion which at that time was illegal. Now this is when things start to get a little bit messy Um, So witnesses who went to the same nightclubs and bars as Jean told the police that they had heard of a former medical student known as Doc who performed abortions for money but this individual couldn't be located and investigators couldn't prove that he actually existed. So the theory began that Jean disappeared under circumstances related to a botched abortion attempt and this was investigated by the Los Angeles Police Department as well as potential connection to a series of murders that had occurred in the Los Angeles area. Jean's mother begged the media to help find her daughter and even offered a $1,000 reward for anybody with information about her whereabouts. Now, the disappearance has remained an unsolved missing persons case and was never actually officially designated a homicide. So, at the time, some newspapers reported that Jean was feared to be one of several victims in a series of killings in Los Angeles, potentially linked to the Black Dahlia murder in 1947. Now, I've actually done uh, the Black Dahlia case and it is frighteningly similar very very similar so if you don't know about that case I would highly recommend going and listening to it it's it's crazy and to be fair after I've been kind of researching this case it very well could be related so retired LAPD detective Rick Jackson worked on the case during his many years on the force but mainly because of his interest in its possible connection to the Black Dahlia murder so although there was no formal case file on Gene's disappearance, Jackson, Jackson kept a notebook and he kind, of, he kind of made it of documents related to the case. And his former partner, Detective Elizabeth Camacho, confirmed that no case file remains, saying, quote, "...forensically, I don't think anything was ever uncovered. It was always a suspicious missing persons case." End quote. So, because the disappearance was classified as such, any and all existing evidence was likely discarded over the past decades, including the purse, which Jackson claimed he never saw in person, only on photographs. So now we're going to talk about a man named Steve Hodel. Some of you may recognize his name but for those who don't he was a former LAPD homicide detective and he claimed that his father the deceased Dr George Hodel was responsible for the disappearance of Jean as well as a series of other murders throughout Los Angeles. So he wrote a book called Black Dahlia Avenger and Hodel put forward this theory that his father had committed the brutal 1947 slaying of Elizabeth Short which is the Black Dahlia murder as well as the murders of Jean French in 1947 and Gladys Kern in 1948 along with several others and Jean Spangler. So her purse... The only piece of evidence in this case was found approximately a quarter of a mile from Dr. Hodel's residence, the Franklin House. Now, could it be a coincidence? Yes, it could. We'll get into it. So, Hodel also recalls how his half-brother, Duncan, had once said, quote, I remember one of the girls Dad was dating back then, was a drop-dead gorgeous actress by the name of Jean, end quote. So the theory goes that his father was with Jean on the night of her disappearance and believes she may have made the mistake of threatening to reveal what she knew or maybe suspected of him to the police. So again, it could be a coincidence, but... Um, I don't know, I mean there's more to it. So the next piece of maybe evidence to this theory is that Gene was last seen in public at a Hollywood restaurant arguing with a man whose description matched that of George Hodel. So this was the final sighting of Gene and it was during the early morning hours of October 8th and so... (sighs) it is so similar to the Black Dahlia case, it's unreal. Um, There was a popular radio DJ of the era um, and he conducted tableside interviews and he reported seeing Jean at Sunset Strip restaurant at about 2.30am and she appeared to be arguing with two men and when this DJ approached the table, the two men waved him away. And kind of similarly, the proprietor of the restaurant, Terry Taylor, also reported seeing Gene earlier that evening at a front table with a man described as kind of clean, cl- clean cut, maybe about 30 or 35. And this incident occurred on October 7th, 1949, just one week before Hodel was formally arraigned on a fel- felony charge that could see him serve basically decades in prison. So, Dr. Hodel's arrest resulted from the accusation that he had molested and impregnated his 14-year-old daughter, Tamar Hodel, after which she claims she was given the back alley abortion. So, it's all kind of linking up. So, Steve Hodel said of his father that, quote, he was performing abortions for the rich and famous and a lot of police officers if their girls got in trouble, end quote. So he believes that the mysterious Dr. Scott was another member of his father's abortion ring, which was headed by another doctor called Dr. Audrain, and it was made up of basically physicians who paid hush money to the police, and Hodel contends that the LAPD of the 1940s was kind of real-life LA confidential back then. Now, there was another witness and that was a station attendant named Art Rogers. Now, he told police that on the same evening Jean had been seen at the Hollywood restaurant, he saw a man and a woman matching Jean's description who came out to the gas station that night near the Sunset Strip. Now, this man bought some gas and Rogers, um, saw the couple were headed to Fresno. But as they drove off, the woman kind of shrank down into the passenger seat and cried out, have the police follow this car. Uh, So Rogers obviously called the police by, but by that time they were on the scene, the vehicle and the people inside it had driven off. They were long gone, but it still seems so so bizarre. Could it have been them? Could have been. So back to Steve Hodel. He believes that this again was his father who was spotted with Jean. He, I mean, he fits the description of the man who was with her and he drove the same car or very similar car. The vehicle also matches descriptions of cars seen leaving Elizabeth Short's crime scene in 1947. At the time, the Los Angeles Examiner printed a map with the headline, "Black Sedan Hunted in L.A. as Death Car." So it is possible, very possible. So it is the firm conviction of Steve Hodel that it was his father who was seen with Jean the night she went missing. He said, "It's my belief that she started dating Dad either late September or early October." end quote and in his kind of pursuit of the truth about his father Hoda was given clearance to search the Franklin house in 2012 in an attempt to kind of locate some forensic evidence. Now there was a trained dog that went in and it indicated the smell of human remains in the basement and the slope behind the house. There were soil samples recovered that identified the presence of human remains in the soil so that is wow I mean he's obviously been following this for years and he genuinely not everyone you know I couldn't sit back and say yeah I think my dad killed these people so he's obviously very adamant about the fact that he thinks that his dad is this killer and when you actually look at all of these missing persons cases the Black Dahlia murder they all do seem to match up with one another in some shape or form So, to be honest, do I think it's possible? Yeah, I think it's possible. But anyway, there is another connection, another theory, and that is the mob connection. Now, this next bit can be quite confusing. There's a lot of different names and a lot of different connections. But I'm going to try and explain it as simply as I can. Okay, so just stay with me here. I'm sorry if it gets confusing. So during the 1940s there was this mobster named Mickey Cohen and he basically held a very tight grip over the criminal underworld in LA. So investigators explored the theory that Jean's disappearance was related to the LA gangsters with whom she apparently was associated with so she was known to have worked for a little bit as a dancer at the Florentine Gardens, which was a nightclub owned by a man named Mark Hansen and Niels Thork Granlund. Now, we know that Hansen, who owned this nightclub, was actually considered a suspect in the murder of Elizabeth Short, and was in fact the last person to have spoken with her in the days leading up to her brutal death. So it was because Gene was kind of acquainted with Hansen that it kind of might have led to an association with various mob affiliates, including bootlegger and gambling entrepreneur Anthony Corn- Cornero, Stralla and Mickey Cohen. And he was a violent gangster who worked on behalf of, you know, Al Capone's Chicago outfit and Bugsy Siegel. And it's also alleged that Gene had been seen with somebody called Little Davy, also known as Ogle. And he was an associate of Cohen's in Palm Springs, as well as Las Vegas, Nevada, um, with Ogle and a man named Frank Nicoli, which was another one of Cohen's associates. So in September 1949, Nicoli actually disappeared after being indicted on conspiracy charges. And then, two days after Gene went missing, Ogle disappeared. So this led the police to investigate the possibility that maybe Gene and Ogle who was also under indictment for conspiracy had basically fled to to avoid prosecution and there was another man named Thomas Ellery Evans who was also a gangster and acquaintance of Ogle and he was interrogated by the police during their investigation now in April 1950, Jean's sister Betsy testified that neither she or her sister were ever acquainted with Ogle, Cohen or any of these other associates. That same year, a customs agent in El Paso, Texas reported seeing Ogle and a woman who looked like Jean in a local hotel. The hotel clerk identified Jean from a photograph, but neither Ogle or Jean's names appeared on the hotel register. And that does conclude today's episode. I mean, it just kind of stops there. This young, talented, aspiring actress who sought fame and sought fortune kind of had her life cut short well we think so there's obviously no evidence you know she kind of wanted people to know her name in Hollywood but instead kind of found her name immortalized through tragedy um the LAPD did continue to search and circulated pictures of Jean for several years and she is still listed as a missing person and the case is not closed But until evidence is uncovered that kind of reveals exactly what happened to her and why she went missing, is she missing, is she alive, is she dead, the disappearance of Jean Spangler will continue to haunt the City of Angels. So that is all from me today. I hope you have enjoyed this rather confusing and, well, it it is a confusing case because there's not a lot of evidence and it's all Mainly based on the theories, but the theories do connect with the disappearance of Jean, and all of the different theories do connect together. So it really is a little bit like putting puzzle pieces together, but we might not ever know what really happened to Jean. And obviously, it happened a very long time ago, but it's still, she still hasn't got the justice that she deserves. So with all that being said, I'm going to leave you to get on with the rest of your week. If you are craving some more true crime, then you can head over to the Prime for Crime TikTok. Um, Like I've said previously, I've also set up a Twitter so I can post updates about upcoming cases, X, Y, Z. So I'd be very grateful if you went and gave that a follow. Um, TikTok as well. And yeah, I will see you later.